1: It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Oh, that's a clever shot. He gets right inside it. And the first six of the evening. Well played, Curtis Patterson.
0: Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mentzel, and I'm very happy to have our very first special guest, New South Wales batsman and a test hopeful, Curtis Patterson. Welcome to the show, Curtis.
1: Thanks for having me, Andrew.
0: When I was doing my research into this interview, I saw that you said to the Australian newspaper that you think good players going forward are going to be those capable of self-reflection. Well, podcasts are a perfect medium for that. I guess we can sort of step back and relax a little bit and chat about your career. But how is it and why do you think good players need to be able to self-reflect?
1: I guess I just, you know, I'm sure there's a a fair bit of research out there about, you know... Uh, you learn, you learn, and you you develop your game. I think best when you when you learn from yourself. I've been having you know some good chats with Paddy Upton, who's coached at Sydney Thunder, who's very very strong into that space. And uh, you know the research shows that I think you retain you know plus upwards of 80% of of what you of uh, of your skill when it's when it's developed on your own rather than told by someone else. So I just think it's a it's a really important thing. And I think personally, I've found some success uh, and I guess some some strengths in, in my game improve once I've you know put a bit of work into it myself and rather than rely on coaches
0: and do you find there's a balance though between thinking too much about your game and reflecting how, how do you sort of maintain that balance because i know some batsmen they can get caught in their own head a little bit
1: yeah it's a really tough one i guess you know you certainly want to make sure that your your queries and your questions aren't coming from a, a thought of you know am i am i good enough or or that kind of thing uh Right now, especially at Shield cricket level, I know that I'm I'm good enough and I feel comfortable at this level. So I guess now it's just for me. It's just about continuously learning, trying to learn off as many people as I can, whether that's coaches or batters, uh, you know, fellow batters. But uh, it certainly is a tough one to find that right balance between you know thinking the right amount and overthinking. That's for sure.
0: And and do you find that when you've been able to self reflect, you've come up with some answers about? What it is that makes you successful, you know, what mindset you need to get in at the crease to be successful. Have you found some answers there?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'd say so for sure. I guess early on in my career, I was probably uh, pretty confused. You know, did I want to be that player that ran off emotions or you know played really aggressively you know in, internally at least you know having a, an aggressive attitude or or that kind of thing and i guess that i've found that i'm just one that probably plays at my best when i am relaxed um you know pre-game uh, during the game just to be able to to go out there and, and be able to think clearly on want to what i do and just be out there and, and enjoy it i think that's, a, that's certainly the thing that's worked for me And no coaches have, have obviously taught you that it's just one of those things you learn along the way
0: I want to move on now to talk about the New South Wales side. At the moment, the New South Wales Shield squad has all the test players available. How does the mood in the camp change when you have all the test players around and, you know, Smith and Warner and that are at training?
1: Yeah, it's been great. I think, the, you know, the guys have had some filming the last couple of weeks. So so Davey and, and Smithy haven't been around uh, until this afternoon, which would be nice. But uh, no, I mean, having having Josh and Mitchell and, and Nathan Lyon around has been fantastic for everyone. Uh, obviously, they're, they're just about the best in the world at what they do, so you can only get better being around them and just as a batter facing them continuously. It, uh, it's certainly great for your game, and I think probably most importantly, they're also just great people to have around.
0: Does it lift the intensity a little?
1: Uh no, I, I, don't, I don't think it does. No, I mean it's obviously a step up in in skill. You know, you're facing guys that are probably more skillful than the average the average state cricketer. But I think here at New South Wales, we're really good with our with our intensity. Particularly, you know, once a week, we, we really have a have a full on game intensity session, and uh, and that's been working really well this year.
0: And so, I'm guessing you've had a few uncomfortable net sessions facing Mitchell Stark and Pat Cummins recently. Are they bowling very quick? How are they looking heading into the Ashes?
1: Yeah, I think they're both hitting their stride at the at the right time. Obviously Mitch uh, came back in through the the JLT One Day Cup. He had a saw foot leading into that. You know, I certainly think he's he's blown those cobwebs out. I think the game against Queensland he pretty much back to back to full pace and full control and certainly looking forward to having him for what should be a really good pink ball game to to start off the season in Adelaide. Yeah, you you're going to be happy when you don't have to face them in the nets anymore absolutely yeah it's a, it is a good challenge but obviously at times it can be uh it can be quite intimidating as well
0: now you're a young up-and-coming batsman you've you've got this lucky opportunity to be around probably the best batsman in the world at the moment in in Steve Smith what do you learn from him when you see him go about his work
1: yeah it's a good question I actually I really enjoy just watching just watching him bat to be honest uh, same as Davey they're you know they're Obviously, two world-class players. Um, but they're quite different in their own way as well. So it's nice just to watch how they go about, not only them batting in the middle, but also batting at, at training. Uh, I guess to kind of can't really see what they're thinking, but kind of just see the way they react to you know different situations in nets and the way they play different bowlers. It's uh, it's just always always good to see new new people do that but you know let alone two of the best in the world it's certainly good fun
0: how do they differ then in their approach to the Nets is one more serious in the Nets or is one more casual how, how would they go about it
1: uh, I'm not really sure to be honest I think they're both uh, they're both Pretty casual, whilst you know being you know still focused at the same time. They're obviously both you know very free flowing players, so in that respect they're they're similar. But it's just nice to watch, I guess, both of them in in full flight and I guess playing with with no real pressure in the nets. It's always fun to see some some interesting shots.
0: I've seen Warner He plays a lot of uh, right handed shots in the nets. I see him switch his grip a few times. Maybe that's just before the t twenty stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean I haven't actually seen seen too much of that. But have uh, you thought uh, about going right handed? No, I certainly haven't. But our chairman of selectors here thinks Davy would have. Average, average forty in second grade batting right handed, so that's a pretty good testament. I think
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty good right hander. Hit that big six at the
1: yeah, Ravi Ashwin, yeah, yeah, huge.
0: Now with Steve Smith, then I guess do you seek him out for advice as a batsman, not captains wise, but just as another young New South Wales batsman? Do you sort of try and glean some wisdom off him?
1: Yeah, of course. You know, whenever he is around at training, um, you certainly don't want to. Don't want to push anything, you want it to all be, you know. Don't want to annoy him too much. Yeah, of course, and you want him to, to be able to focus on his game as well because he's got a job to do, obviously. But no, whenever batting conversations come up, which they which they tend to do, you know, not just one-on-one, but in, in group situations, it's always it's always good just to, you know, maybe eavesdrop the start and then hop in and, and kind of ask a few questions around those boys. It's um, certainly worthwhile.
0: Is there anything in particular you picked up that stands out?
1: Uh, I think with, with Smithy, you know, just, I mean, this is my personal take, just watching him from when he played, you know, five, six years ago to now, his his shot selection is uh, some of the best I've ever seen. Uh, I don't really think he's developed too many more shots than what he had when he, you know, before he got dropped when he when he played, but it just seems like he, he rarely makes mistakes, and I think that's one of it. you know, that's a really good sign of a, of a great player is, is how minimal mistakes they make, you know, both with the bat and obviously for, for Steve in the field as well.
0: Now, recently to the Daily Telegraph, you said the ashes hasn't entered my thoughts and I don't feel any extra pressure. Now, your name has been thrown up there as the vacant number six spot so you you try not to focus on that? Is that your plan, just to put it out of your head?
1: Uh, yeah, it's not really in my head at all, to be honest. Um, not know, even uh, a little bit. When no, you go to bed. no, it's really not. A, a, I mean, what I said there. It's, you know, it's purely focused with New South Wales at the moment. You know, I feel like personally that my game's good enough to, to play at that level, but you know, I have to I have to go out there and show it. And this is the the perfect way to show it is is obviously scoring scoring big runs at Shield level. So yeah, my my focus has purely been with New South Wales on the JLT Cup, and then obviously. You you know, missing out on that last week. Now, it's, now it's turned to, to shield cricket and uh, and the longer form, and I'm really looking forward to, to getting out there with with all the normal teammates, but also having the Aussies back. It's going to be it's going to be brilliant.
0: Also, very unlucky to miss out on the JLT Cup, I might add. In the same interview, you talked about at the Daily Telegraph. You talked about trying to convert your starts into big scores. Is that something you see as vital to maybe? pushing for higher honors is is making those forties and fifties into big tons.
1: Yeah, no doubt. You know, you're certainly not gonna get picked, do you know, just by scoring those, you know, thirties to thirties to seventies. You know, the selectors it's it's pretty obvious we want you know, the Australian team wants people that can score big runs, uh, you know, and to be fair, I probably haven't shown that I can just, just yet, so uh, I've been happy with how consistent I've been in terms of making those starts at least, uh, I think that's important to at least acknowledge from a personal point of view so I don't get too down on myself, but but no doubt there's, uh, there's plenty of work to, to be done in terms of building on those and, and getting some big scores this summer.
0: Is it about, you know, honing your concentration and, you know, I know your dad was a big influence on your career, do you still seek him out for advice or have you moved on from that?
1: No, I mean I, I probably don't seek him out, as, uh, you know, so much these days. But he's certainly still when he comes along to, to to our home games here in Sydney, or you know, certainly for games in the JLT JLT Cup, he'll, he'll give me a phone call every now and then and, and let me know what he thinks. And uh, you know, I always take it on board because, as he said, he was he was brilliant for me growing up. Uh, and he certainly still loves the game now, which is which is terrific. Uh, he
0: sa- apparently he said to you, just play whatever team you're in, play for that moment, concentrate on what you have to do to win that game of cricket. I mean, it's pretty sound advice to any cricketer.
1: Yeah, that was that's probably one thing that's really stuck with me. It was actually at a at our, you know, National Under 19s Championship. I'd I'd come off my debut for New South Wales and, you know, naturally when you play other teams, I think the bowlers probably went up 10 10% when I Couldn't went out there. Bloke. Yeah, and I guess I just put on some probably unnecessary expectations that I needed to go out and, you know, score X amount of runs, which I um, which I didn't, you know, halfway through the tournament and then uh, either had dinner with dad, I can't remember, or he might have just rung me up and just said, "Yeah, just Just to forget that and just, you know, play for the situation in the game and and play for your team in that moment. And the rest will sort itself out and manage to to score some runs after that. And it's just been advice that's really stuck with me. It's
0: very sound advice, especially while your name's being thrown around the test stuff. Now let's go back to the beginning. Almost six years ago, at the age of 18 years and 206 days old, you became the youngest batsman to score a century in Sheffield Shield history. So you made 157 on debut against Western Australia. Does that feel like a long time ago? I mean, it's almost six years ago.
1: Yeah, geez, uh, it's, it is interesting hearing you say that. But uh, no, I mean, time flies, doesn't it? Especially when we're we're lucky enough to do what we do as, as professional cricketers. It uh, you know time can go by quick. But look, it doesn't feel too long ago. I certainly feel like I've learned a lot, a, le- a lot from that experience, and you know, and certainly from that from that point in time. So, uh, haven't given it much reflection, to be honest. It's probably one of those ones where you, you look back and reflect on post career. But no, it was was a great day and obviously a a nice way to to get out there and start my career.
0: Now, talking to the Australian newspaper, you said, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm a different person to what I was two years ago. I had a contract. It's a good feeling. It's hard not to get swept away with that a little bit. So I guess how have you changed and matured? How have you evolved from that to where you are now?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Oh, look, I guess, you know, I obviously made my debut that year and the following year picked up my, my first contract and... Uh, it's just a completely different you know life game whatever you want to call it going from training twice a week at at club cricket and then playing on a Saturday to being in here Monday to Friday and you know having two days of of gym and running and then you know a couple of net sessions and maybe a day off here and there it was just it was a really big learning curve and I probably did get a little bit I wouldn't say lazy but I guess I just probably didn't know how to how to train back then it was obviously my, my first year i at times it was, it was a bit lazy at times I was over aggressive and probably over trained and again probably placed too many expectations on myself to, to go out there and and you know do this do that for New South Wales and it wasn't until the end of that following you know that first year where I was contracted where I, where I actually scored some runs for my grade club you know once the once the New South Wales season was over and, and the mighty St George Dragons were in the were in the grade finals you know all that pressure of, of trying to break into the New South Wales team you know was gone and I was able to go out there and just be relaxed and, and scored runs, which I did, and we obviously won. Oh, sorry, and we we, yeah, we were lucky enough to win the comp that year in first grade.
0: So I guess I guess it's a little bit of that thing. You were so young when you did so well that you know you really had to kind of grow into the role as a professional sportsman at such a young age.
1: Yeah, of course. There's so many. You know, it obviously is the, the training and the, the actual cricket side of things, but just the, the mental side of it as well. It's a, a whole other... Yeah, of course. It's a whole another step up going from, as I mentioned before, two, maybe three training sessions a week to five cricket and maybe a, a few, you know, physical training sessions as well. So... Uh, it was a great experience. Obviously, don't, I wouldn't change anything because I've learned a lot, um, but certainly still looking to continuously improve today.
0: Yeah, such a young man. We're 24 now. 24, with, yeah. With so much ahead of you. I know uh, Mike Hussey was a bit of a mentor of yours at Sydney Thunder. I read that he gave you a bit of paper with some advice on it. Is there anything that you want to share with us? What sort of advice he gave you?
1: Yeah, I mean Huss was he was terrific and he still is, you know, I'm still lucky enough to have a relationship that I've developed with him, you know, at the Thunder and still happy to you know, to message him if, if I'm feeling something about my game or whatnot. So he's been great and yeah, I think it was it was myself and Daniel Hughes, uh, back when he was at the Thunder and Huss just sat us down one day. I think we were in Hobart for for a game and just uh you know took the time to to write on two pieces of paper and, and hand it to both of us and it was just a sheet of paper with probably 20 to 25 questions on it that he used to ask himself throughout his career and i guess when he played test cricket and uh, you know, I can't remember what what everything was on it, but it was certainly just things like, am I fit enough? Am I paying enough attention to the my mental side of things? Am I paying enough attention to how what I'm thinking during an innings? You know, it was just pretty much everything under the sun. It was just really good to, I guess, just see the the second level thinking that great players have, which is certainly what Mike had, and it was certainly a, a really good experience.
0: It sounds like a very detailed note, which is exactly what I can imagine Mr. Cricket providing a young cricketer. All right, so thank you so much for your time, Curtis. I want to end this interview with a few quick singles, just your opinion on a few things in the cricket world. So let's 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 start with the pink ball. Like it or loathe it? Like it? Yeah, why?
1: Uh, I think it promotes promotes results in the in the game, um, which is which is you know great for for the fan. Um, it's very hard to get a get a draw with a with a pink ball, especially when you're playing it under lights. You know it, it can swing and seem and see them do plenty of things. So uh, I think from a from a spectator's point of view, it's great and it's uh, it's exciting to play in. You're obviously not
0: colour then otherwise. No, I'm not. Uh, what about Christmas Day? A big bash cricket would you like to see? Uh, I
1: like it, yeah. Uh, I, I'm a huge NBA fan, uh, and I and I know that their, their Christmas Day games team? Are, are massive. Oh, I'm actually a Utah Jazz fan. Uh, they're obviously a bit of a, a lesser-known team, but a couple of Aussies over there that, that are doing quite well, so I'm right behind the Jazz.
0: Uh, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of Christmas Day, Big Bash as well. I think it's great for the comp. What about if in the Big Bash someone hits a six, then the crowd gets to keep the ball, like in baseball? What do you think of that?
1: Uh, I'm going to have to load that. I think at the moment anyway, it'd be tough, you know, just with continuous ball changes in cricket. Baseball's obviously different. They just use a new ball the entire time. But cricket, you know, you base your tactics a lot of the time on the on the state of the ball. So I think until they can maybe, you know, or we get to a point where we are just continuously using a new ball or for the entire – Or ball. Yeah, or the generic ball, yeah. Um, but until Kids that happens, I'm going to have to involved. load it. They, okay, they love it. would love it, yeah.
0: Good. I'm glad you load something. Now, uh, any favourite cricket commentators growing up?
1: Well, I mean, we used to love Richie Benaud as I think just about everyone everyone did. It was just for me, it was just the classic Channel Nine commentary team, to be honest. Uh, that was obviously what all cricket was on back Bill then. Laurie, yeah, Tony of course, Greg. just listening to to all of them as a as a young kid, it was certainly a, a really good experience growing up.
0: Any commentators rub
1: you up up the wrong way? Any annoy you? uh no i mean i i love listening to danny morrison uh i love his antics especially when he's out there especially during not too crazy during for the IPL, but at times he can be uh he can be can be pretty crazy yeah but he's a good man
0: when he dresses up as a character exactly. maybe he's gone too far um what's your favorite ground to play on uh sydney career ground that's my favorite ground to go to who's the best opposition sledger
1: It's tough. There's actually not not a lot going around in in state cricket, you know, these days, to be honest. Um, Oh, look, probably I know when Matt Wade doesn't like someone and and has his opinion on someone that he might not think is very good, he can certainly go pretty hard. But I also know that from playing with him that uh, that Brad Haddon was pretty good at it too. So
0: there's a couple of good sledges there. And to finish up, who's the fastest bowler you've ever faced?
1: Uh, Mitch Johnson. Uh, Yeah, comfortably. He's probably... I actually didn't get him at his worst either, but certainly when I did get him, he was still pretty quick. But I also think that... When Paddy Cummins gets it right, especially to left-handers, he can be a he can be a real nightmare up into your up into your rib cage.
0: Yeah, was Mitch Johnson the combination of speed and that awkward angle, that slinging sort of tomo action, hard to pick up? Yeah,
1: he was. He's, he's probably not as bad to left-handers. I guess looking at Paddy Cummins, he's quite similar to what Paddy is to lefties, where he kind of can swing it in and up up and under your, your kind of rib cage as a right-hander. You know, for Mitch, um, but obviously he's just especially that Ashes series, that last home Ashes series, he was just a complete another level with his aggression and obviously his skill execution was, was terrific to watch.
0: Well, you might have to face him again because he's running around for the Scorchers again. Yeah. So I think you'll be playing for the Sydney Thunder, is that right? You yeah, pre-science?
1: back with the Thunder, yeah, which is, which is exciting.
0: Well, thanks so much for being the first guest on Cricket Unfiltered. Good luck for New South Wales and the Sydney Thunder and uh, hope to catch up again.
1: Perfect. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Sports
0: Social Podcast Network.